Bedroom Studios presents Haunt-tober. Tonight's guest, Wayne Gadston. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Hauntober special on the Bedroom Studios podcast. As you know, tonight's guest, your friend and mine, Wayne Gadston. How are you tonight, Wayne? I'm doing good, Josh. How are you tonight? I am fairly, fairly well. A little hot, bothered. It's October, and it's in the friggin' 80s. Yeah, yeah, we're still running the AC tonight, too. Oh, yes, I have mine on 68. <laughs> Sweating my proverbial balls off, if you know what I mean. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, what about you? Are you swimming in ball soup currently? Uh, not currently. We stayed indoors this weekend. I, I've got to get out and cut the grass one more time, but it's not happening with all that rain. Cold and wet yesterday, and then 80 degrees today. It's the usual roller coaster. Ugh. Welcome to Alabama, folks. It's horrible here. Yes. Oh, yeah. We love hey. <laughs> So, let's talk about you, Wayne. Yes. So, okay. You're a musician, correct? Uh, of sorts. I mean, I, I am not in any active bands, nor have I ever played uh, an actual show. Um, I was uh, in marching band in high school, but uh, also being raised in the church and taught all the singing there. I mean, music's just been a part of my life for most of my life. Um, and I, I did play bass guitar a little bit, but just in practice sheds and things like that, we never played a show, um, but always appreciated uh, in my musical taste, good musicianship, because I have played a little bit of music in my life. So were you in any actual bands or just jam projects? We, we had one band that, as I said, never played a show, but this would have been back in like 99. And um, the, the only legitimate player that we, that we had was, there used to be a band in Birmingham that played around year 2000 called Flesh Wreck. And they had a guitar player, Scott, who left, and then we started jamming with him. I, my roommate was the drummer. Uh, we got a vocalist, a guy named Ramey. I don't even, I haven't seen these guys in years. And then we, we named ourselves Soul Scar and played a few practice gigs, and that was about it. And I was done with it after that. <laughs> I'm just a fan now. <laughs> anything particular that led to your dissolution or just things weren't working out uh well the guitarist wouldn't pay the rent on their the practice unit and uh just lots of the usual drama between folks and uh so yeah it just never went anywhere the, no we didn't have the commitment level to actually produce music boo i'm sad to hear this uh, I did enjoy a slap in the bass but uh it's been years since i picked it up now i just listen instead Oh, well, you're more than welcome to come slap at a bass on something here at Bedroom Studios. Oh, I, I've always appreciated the good bass lines uh, ever since. I d dug the bass lines in the latest Exorcist. Really enjoyed that. Oh, thank you so much. That means the world to me. Oh, you formed the cockles of my heart. I'm, I'm telling you, man, a good creative bass guitar lick is just one of my favorite things in the world. And, and yeah, I appreciated the bass work in, in the, the latest album. 
I appreciate that. Yes, I can't stand a bass that just does nothing. You're not Falls helping. guitars are inaudible. That's the way death metal was for years in the 90s. The bass guitar might as well not have even been there. And so it's just great these days when you get to hear bass high in the production and just yeah, being able to enjoy the bass line. Absolutely. Oh, and good, good bass production where you can actually hear the bass. Yes. Not just this old not roaring thunder, but also the clang of the, the high end of the strings. I love it. Yes, I love it. Like to hear the twang. I've always preferred uh, the, the players who use their fingers to just pluck that bass and slap it. And just the more you're going to uh, abuse the string, the better I like to hear. Yes. So, what genres of music did you play when you played? Oh, it was it was sort of. I would say this was still, you know, in the, the, the glow of the new metal era. And it was probably closer to Pantera meets Six Feet Under, which tells you how awful it was. <laughs> <laughs> not it was, two, it things, was, I, not two it, things I would think to put together. but Yeah, well, and that's why it died a quick death. So, <laughs> <laughs> Because it was so malformed from the genetic alteration. Oh, it, it was just, it, it, it's embarrassing thinking back on it. But, you know, we were, we were young and, and that was the era, man. Ah, so what were your influences in music? Uh, oh, all over the place. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of metal, but listen to other things too. And that sort of reflects all my musical uh, influences and things like that on what I like to hear. Because, you know, like a lot of folks down here in Alabama, I was raised in the church, raised in a, a type of church that had acapella singing or the congregational singing. And that gives you an approach, uh, an appreciation for harmony and and vocals and things like that. Got into a lot of um, new age Celtic music as I got into high school. I was not a metalhead in high school at all. I was already graduated before I hit the head banging stuff. And just uh, I started with stuff, uh, embarrassing stuff like you know corn and uh, I I never did Limp Bizkit, but you know started there in the '90s and then worked my way into all the extreme metal that I love now. That death metal mostly. I'm a death metal guy, but like black metal too. And uh, thrash metal and just just a big metal head as well now that's the wonderful thing about metal there's so many subgenres to enjoy it's not like country where it's oh you got outlaw western country that's pretty much it At, well, and as someone who's always had a love of the obscure i mean when you get when i got my first relapse records catalog with all of those bands and things like that and just knowing how deep the underground went and how many different paths it could take it just drew me in immediately Oh, I remember those. <laughs> oh, that was always fun to get. That that was my dude. I was uh, I w- I was a Fear Factory fan. This is like you know mid nineties, probably about ninety seven or ninety eight, and uh, ordered my Fear Factory shirt mail order through the mail, and it was delivered by a Blue Grape Merchandising at the time. And in the shipment, they included the Relapse Records catalog. And that was just, I mean, it was like my encyclopedia diving. And I got it. I think I got a, ordered a couple of CDs, got my first contamination sampler. And that was my real introduction to, you know, just underground. Oh, thanks to those magazines. That's what drew you into the heavy metal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And these are these are the mail order days, you know, back before we had the Internet. And, you know, it was hard to find things, especially living in Alabama in the underground. Absolutely. We only had one little place called the Sound Shop that was very overpriced when here in Jasper and Walker County, the asshole of Alabama. (laughs) Walker County, you are listening. You're an asshole. That's what we like to say here in St. Clair County. We like to look down our nose, you know, from the east side of town. 
Oh, it's 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 White Flight Central out here in St. Clair County now. I mean, it's just well, it's you know a lot of commuters, and it's it's changed a lot over the years. But uh, I Walker County's not too bad. They've got an interesting history too. They do. It's it's full of incest and racism, but it's interesting. Just like the rest of Alabama, yes, uh, absolutely. Or you know, the rest of the Southeast, quite possibly. <laughs> so, who would you say are three of your most favorite bands of all time? Uh three. You know, they would probably just the one. My my death metal guys and uh, uh, Bolt Thrower is a big influence on me. Um, just that they're just to me the kings of death metal. I don't think there's an album they put out that I didn't like, except for maybe the very first one. I was iffy on that one, but or uh, I'm a big fan of uh, just uh, Demi Lich and that sort of really gurgly. Um, their one album was great, uh, and I was also a uh, big Cryptopsy fan over the years. Their early stuff, not the late stuff at all. But th- those are three that just r- have always been close to my heart. Uh, so how many metal shows do you think you've attended, both local and major? I mean, you know why I'm, I'm uh, well known at the metal shows around the Birmingham area, right? I'm the guy that's not in a band. That's why I said <laughs> your friend and mine. If you don't know who Wade Gaston <laughs> is, then you haven't been to a show anywhere. I can't tell you how many shows I've been to where, you know, and, and I just, I'll go and see people that I don't know. And I'm just like, oh, that's just the dudes in the other band and stuff. And, and I'm not the, always the only one. There's a few other guys. Uh, Mike McGrady's one I always know that comes to these underground shows and a few other people too. Um, but if you're one of the guys at the show that's not in a band, you always kind of stick out. You know, I just showed up to listen, guys. Um, and, but I've, I've probably been to, you know, I probably haven't broke the century mark yet for the number of shows I've been to, but I've been to, you know, dozens over the years around here, off and on. What would you say was your most favorite show you ever attended? Hmm. I would have to say that the, and I'm going to get really obscure here with you, but I have to say the best one that I, the one that I have the, the, the best memories of was, I want to say it was either 2014 or 2015, but you know, the old, the, ALDM house that the, they, the guys had just, you know, this old house in the middle of a neighborhood where they had basement shows. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I played there. Yes, yes. So, so saw a show there that was like Hellgoat and I want to say Vimir and Ectovoid that just played in the basement of a house. Mm. And uh, there was like, there was dozens of people there. Best house show I've ever been to. And that one just sticks out because it's, you know, those house shows just have a, a different feel to them. And that one just always stuck in my mind as a you know night of great music and just cool people to hang out with. It was just a great experience. And that one's probably my favorite if I have to pick one, but there's so many more. Ah, yes. The night we played there with Formulas, a girl accidentally punched me in the balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. It's close quarters there. I mean, I have to say, though, that's that whole... Um, I, I was talking about this with uh, Josh Jarvis and Rachel the other day about that, that whole year 2014 where formulas and avavago did so many shows together it seemed like you guys are are new masters of evil one of those bands was playing at the nick you know every other month or something like that and i remember lots of shows in that year that just really enjoyed um with formulas and avavago and whoever was coming through town oh yes those were the days i miss those days that's that's where i met you originally was was as drummer for formulas was your gig when we met Yes, it was. I'm glad you remembered that. You've touched my cockles again. 
not in the same you know, those, those, not in the same way that girl touched my cockles at the the underground basement show, but you've touched them nonetheless. <laughs> well, wonderful. I'm glad I can make you feel better. Absolutely. So, any upcoming shows you're planning on going to? Is there any shows caught your eye, caught your ear? Uh, we I might end up going to see. Uh, I mentioned Josh Jarvis. You know, he's got that the, the black metal uh, act. He's got you know the witch, uh, and they're playing. I want to say the Friday after that day after Thanksgiving, the first at the, at the Plaza, which I'm kind of iffy about going to shows at the Plaza, but um, you know, some of your other guests, I think, I think, have you interviewed Jane Crow? I think. Yes. Yeah. I think she's playing that. And there's um, uh, more than one of the bands that have been on your podcast are playing that show. And I'm a big fan of which really like that going to see him play. And uh, so that's the next one I'm thinking about coming up that uh, is pretty cool on the radar. So I do have to ask, what 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 issues do you have with the plaza? Uh, yeah, I have never been to the Upside Down Plaza for an actual show. I've always been there when it's just people. And, and that's like the place people go at like 2 a.m. when all the other cool places have shut down and you just go to the plaza. I don't know. I've just oh. every time. And I have I can count on one hand the times I've been there. But it's just like, I don't know about this. But I, it could be a great venue because I've never actually seen a show there yet. Maybe it will. Oh, so it could be going prepared for a fight. Uh, usually I'm the guy that's running out the door when the fight starts, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, always on the lookout. I've seen, uh, me and McGrady have some stories about some shows we saw in Atlanta back in the day where, uh, I think it was a Christian show where you had the skinheads and you had the, the Latino guys, the Hispanics that were there to see Christian. And there was just, you know, you're like, there's a fight going to happen and I'm going to duck out the door when it does. You know, you don't have to meet you at the car. You don't have to stand there and throw fisticuffs. You can be a long range fighter and throw bottles from the front door. Oh, no, no. The smart ones get out before the shit gets bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> they have to know when the shit's going to get bad, though. Sometimes... You, ha- you have to know. At any show, you always have to know there- there's a time when you just head to the car. Just, it's time to go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't know to head to the car when that guy, that red, the tall, redheaded guy at the dining theater show got his ass whooped by a 15-year-old. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. I was telling someone that story earlier today, and I can't remember who it was. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Oh either. man, it was awful. That's crazy. Just, just screaming the whole time. He's like, "Fuck Cannibal Corpse, fuck whoever else was there, Devourment, mm-hmm. fuck Vital Remains, Dying Fetus is the shit." And he screamed this the entire time we were standing out in the lobby, the entire time we were standing out on the sidewalk, the entire time everyone else was playing. George Fisher almost come off the stage to kick his ass at one point, but by then he was already being escorted out because a fifteen-year-old started kicking the shit out of him during Dying Fetus set. <laughs> And ripped a yeah, lot that, of his fucking hair out. That is that is no loss though. It was a better show after he left, right? <laughs> I don't know. I was laughing too hard to enjoy myself. <laughs> Quite funny. <laughs> so, what are some of the biggest criticisms you have with music nowadays? Uh well, I mean, I'm 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 pretty cool with the underground. I think the underground metal scene as a whole is is. You know, it's it's still there. It's not trying to own the world. It just is what it is. And I feel like there's a lot of good bands putting a lot of good music out. Um, I, you know, just as the local scene, you, there's not as many shows as there used to be in people's lives. You know, the, the thing about the local music scene is there's always people with lives that have other things going on besides just their music. And sometimes the, the stars just don't line up right and you have a few years with less shows. But you always look back on those years where you had a lot. Um 
And and I guess my other criticism is just boo deathcore. That's just all I'm going to say on that. No deathcore for me here. Yeah, yeah, boo deathcore. You can keep the deathcore. That's you know, if I go to the the metal archives and see deathcore at all in your genre description, I'm like, no, next album, please. If I wanted shit, I'd sit on the toilet. <laughs> or follow my dog around the yard. So let's oh, yeah. let's talk about some music production stuff. How do you feel about triggers on drum sets? Mm, you know, I you know, having never played the drums myself, I you know, I I don't feel like I'm qualified to give an opinion, but I will say that I do enjoy some bands that do use the trigger drums. It doesn't it's it's never going to be like the most memorable performance when I listen to that, but I understand people wanting to do certain things with it and I'm I'm okay with them using the tools they need to to make it sound that way because you know like in in the days of beat detection and note detection and all this stuff in the studio, you know, that idea of what's, you know, I, I I'm okay with the use of triggers, but my favorite stuff does not use them. Uh, what would be, what would be an example of something that does not use triggers that just simply blows anything else out of the water? Oh shit, if I would know. Yeah. <laughs> Does uh, because I think even um, see, and that shows you how little I know about playing drums is because like when you when I you play it for me and I can hear, it, I'm like, okay, yeah, that guy's definitely using triggers, but I can't always tell 100% of the time. Um, but favorite drummers just in general, I mean, let me think about that. I always like Flo Monier from Cryptopsy. Does he oh, use triggers? Yes, he does, I believe. Okay, but, uh, see, I, and I'm totally fine with the way he sounds, so that shows you there that triggers are not a deal breaker for him. I believe he does a blended. Like he he no he uses triggers, but I believe he also mics his drum set. If I'm not mistaken, so. And and I will you know as as a long time metal listener, I will say that the the state of the kick drum is not always the deal breaker for me. I mean, I'm always much more about the cymbals and the snare, and I, I I'm willing to overlook some things on the kick drum. You know that the, the bottom end. You know it, I'm less picky about the memorable things. Are always what's going on with the hands, right? Sometimes, unfortunately, and especially in the older production, the bass drum would just get buried beneath the guitars and the bass guitar. Yeah. So it was not to be like, no one's going to know anyway what I'm doing. I might as well not even play anything at all. Right. <laughs> so do you have any plans to, to get back into music, to pick a bass up and slap it in one more time? Oh no, no, not at all. I'm I too busy being with with work and dad, and I I know I couldn't give it the time that it needed. And so usually, if I get any downtime, I'm like, well, finally I can play some video games. But you know, I I just don't have time in my life for it these days. I did when I was 19 and 20. Had plenty of time in my hands. I I appreciate the people like you and others who are willing to dedicate that the, the amount of time it takes to to make good music. And for those of us like me who just don't are not going to make that space in their lives, don't have the time to make. I appreciate people like y'all that do. Oh, thank you. That means you've warmed my cockles again. Wait, <laughs> you can't keep warming those cockles. You have to cool them down. Ah, uh, well, it's eighty degrees outside. Huh? I'm not going out there. It's wasteland. So, play video games, eh? Xbox, PlayStation, or PC Master Race? Oh, none no, of the. I'm a Nintendo fanboy all the way through. I mean, I, I, I Sony guy too. I'll play the PlayStation. Right. Um, you can have the Xbox. I'm. I'm not. Not. Not for me. I'm not prejudiced against people that do. But I just. I've never been. I'm not a first-person shooter guy. I don't. You know. I'm. I'm a Nintendo guy at heart. That's what I always started. Ah, oh, yes. I wish I'd followed Nintendo, but unfortunately, the guys of Microsoft called towards me and. 
I regret it. Am I real GM? (laughs) (laughs) What's the favorite video game of all time? Oh, favorite of all time would be for me. It's the the Romance of the Three Kingdoms series. It's a it's historical simulation type. It's boxes and numbers, man. My OCD brain just loves massive data manipulation in games. It's just it's it's insane. Oh, anything similar to Sims or Civilization? So, yeah, sort of along those lines. Yes, except it's set in ancient China, and that's where I got my love of. Uh, Chinese culture and things like that, just a- East Asian cultures in general. Uh, from that video game, that's just and, and even when in my musical taste, I always enjoy East Asian references uh, like that um, because that that great experience I had playing that old video game got me into uh, ancient Chinese culture, and I've enjoyed it ever since. Uh-huh. Favorite piece or favorite gaming magazine? Oh, for me, it was Nintendo Power, just because I was the Nintendo uh, guy. You still have any of those old magazines? I do not. I wish I did. Um, that I'll see the. I enjoy looking at the old uh, gaming ads that they'll have on Facebook and things like that. And just remember, yeah, all video game journalism. That was. The do day. you remember the old uh, the Nintendo Power that they did, where it wasn't exactly a booklet on games, but it was like a comic, like a graphic novel almost. I remember the old comics they used to have in, in each monthly issue. I don't know if I remember that. Oh, they had ones that were like issue length long. I had the Legend of Zelda one, and it was so cool. And an ex-girlfriend kept it. Oh, no. <laughs> Very cool. It was its own t- entire story of the Legend of Zelda, the original, where Link is, you know, say, goes to the castle, he hears the voice, and his uncle is there already and was killed by uh, Agnamon or whatever. And right. the whole thing, it's incredible. But anywho, that's all the time we have for right now. But we will be right back with Wayne Gadsden after a word from our sponsor. This party is pretty dead, Hunch. Oh, we are in a graveyard. What's that got to do with anything? Hey, why the long faces, fellas? The corpses don't give it away. What you guys need is new Resurrection Red Energy Drink. What's that? It's a blend of all the things a recently deceased body needs to get back on its feet and start feasting on the flesh of the living again. Eh, I'm afraid to ask. What's in it? I just told you, dumbass. But more specifically, it's the special Lazarus formula. Energized with little bolts of lightning and an earthly flavor. Probably from the earthworms? Uh... Is there caffeine in it? No, it's gluten-free. Uh, I think my heart just stopped. Oh, wait, no, there it goes. So pick up a bottle or whatever of new Resurrection Red Energy Drink. Only available in Transylvania. Resurrection Red Energy Drink, not responsible for supplication pacification. Use extreme caution. Do not drink any of this shit. Seriously, there, you can't sue us. And we're back with the Hauntober special on the Bedroom Studios podcast. <laughs> kind of like Cheers, except it's not a place where everyone knows your name. Any place you go, you know his name. Our guest tonight, Wayne Gadsden. I'm Norm sitting at the end of the bar in this. <laughs> he is Norm sitting at the bar, except he's always there. He's not the one coming in. He's always there. Yes. It's like, Norm, you're here. And it's like, Norm, you've been here. What are you doing? Go home. Late. Your family's worried. 
<laughs> so let's talk to you now, Wayne, about something, a Halloween tradition, if it were, horror movies, scary films, all kinds of stuff. Oh, yes, oh, you're a big fan. It's it's uh, it's one of my favorite genres. Yes, I'm someone who watches it more than just at the Halloween season. Oh, excellent! So, what would your favorite genre of horror be? There's gore, there's paranormal horror, there's cosmic horror. What, what's your favorite genre? Uh, I, I, I'm gore. Now, my wife's sitting here cheering. She's saying, "Say gore, say gore." No, not the gore. Uh, although I do appreciate a good gore movie occasionally, but no. Um, I, I like things with with the supernatural element, um, you know, just monster movies and things like that, where you've got something inhuman uh, that's preying on humanity. That's my favorite genre right there. Oh, similar to something like, say, John Carpenter's The Thing. My my all time favorite horror movie is John Carpenter's oh. The Thing. I don't think anything surpasses it with just the mood that it evokes of of certain doom. Um, just yeah, that that's my all-time favorite. I love the thing. That that's that would be my shining example of the t- kind of movie I. Like. What do you think about the prequel that came out a few years ago? Uh, I thought it was okay. Um, as far as you know, the prequels and sequels go, I thought it did a better job just sticking to the story instead of trying to reinvent the wheel like so many others do. I I I, I bought I own both on on DVD and. Uh, uh, the, the scene I liked in the prequel was the, where the thing was like digging around in Tormund Giants Bane's face, uh, right there. Oh. When they they had a couple of good massacre scenes in that one that were uh, as over the top as the original. Absolutely, I love how they tied it in. Like they didn't try to make it its own separate thing. They used everything that that they discovered in the original film, and they put a backstory to it, which I thought was amazing. Yes, yes, I, I you know, I don't. You know, as a big sci-fi fan and things like that, when they take, you know, Star Wars and those of us who grew up with the original in the 80s and 90s, only to see all those meta stories that got spawned off of it just get reset. I appreciate when people are are willing to add to a story without taking anything away. Absolutely. And like you said, they didn't need to reinvent the wheel. They stuck to the original story. They stuck to the original location. And they just built off that. And I thought it was wonderful. The only thing... No pun intended. If I had a criticism, <laughs> if I had a criticism, it would have been the studio's decision to cover up all of Algamation's prosthetics and their, uh, what's the word, uh, practical effects that they did. Have you ever seen the original, uh, the original thing that they used for the movie? They used exactly what they did in the original film. They used practical effects and puppetry. Yes, yes, and I, I'm. I hate the whole. The less CGI, the better. I, I'm a big fan of practical effects. Thank you. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know. With, uh, with talking about you know the thing prequel, I don't. Did they use the same practical effects or did they CGI it up? In my memory, they used a bit of the computer. As well. They originally hired a, a studio called Algamation Productions, I believe, to physically recreate the puppetry and practical effects like they use in the original film but then at the end of it they the studio thought mm, no it doesn't it's it's not it's old-fashioned it's not up to date so they covered it with cgi i was very disappointed and even the algamation were very upset that they did all that hard work only for it to be covered up by cg yeah and 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 that's that's disappointing i mean and, and 
we even, and this is not quite on the, the horror theme, but we at our house here, my family, uh, my wife and daughter, I started watching the new Dark Crystal they started putting out on Netflix, and that is just, it's it's puppetry, it's obvious, but there's some, even though it's not as realistic looking, there's something about that practical effect that makes it seem real, not only to me, but my six-year-old. And I feel like now we might be in a place where we go back to maybe using more practical effects in our movies because people are just CGI to mm-hmm. death. They do it because they think it's cheaper. And I'm not sure how it's cheaper to pay for all that animation when it, you could build something and have it forever, even auction it off, you know. But oh, the Dark Crystal series, I've got to see that. Oh, I recommend it. I, I'm not, we're only about halfway through, but definitely it's got the epic scale and the vibrant colors and um, setting that, that you like to see in that sort of genre. Um, but, but even, you know, going back to horror movies and things like that, I'm a big fan of just, you know, 80s B movies and some of that B horror. It was horrible effects, but it was still practical effects. And I like to go back and watch that stuff. This time Absolutely. I think the practical effects also, they're tangible. You can tell they're actually there. CG, it's jazz. So. So, who would your favorite villain or creature, if it's not the thing, what would that be across the entire stance of the universe of horror films? Uh, The the Hellraiser series always got my, um, just as far as just like level of disturbing that it is, um, not not necessarily Pinhead himself, but some of the, the other uh, Cenobites and demons in that series, just for the look that they had, just really a very cold sort of horror. Um, the, the, you know, uh, some some of these other slasher movies and things, it's a very active character, and I always appreciate the coldness of the Cenobites. Uh, that's disturbing in a completely different way, and that sort of villain just is really memorable in my mind. I think it's mostly because I feel that way too. It's that Pinhead was really one of the first intelligent villains to come along who was limitless power and there was it wasn't like with monsters where you could hide from them or even try to fight back pinhead was infinitely powerful and invincible almost and i could sum up pinhead in one word and that's cunning that was a villain with cunning and those are much more in some ways realistic and also frightening types of villains not this just sort of mindless beast but a villain with cunning yes intelligence mm-hmm. my my favorite example would be um i can't remember the, the name of the, the movie right off the top of my head but the one where the the guy put gave the little girl with the mental disorder the box and when she solved the, the lament configuration and they came forward when the other cenobites went towards her he said no it is not hands that call us, but desire. Right. I was Because I thought, oh, well, she's doomed. But he knew that she only solved the box because it was given to her. She didn't solve the box because she wanted to. Right, an element of lawful evil there is that, you know, evil but still governed by some set of... Principles. I want you to make me a Venn diagram of the, the all the way from uh, lawful good to chaotic evil of Pinhead and decisions he's made. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, if we had the time. <laughs> I got the rest of my life. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, let's see. What would be your... You, you said The Thing. Is The Thing your favorite film of, in horror all, all over? Yes, yes. It's, it's definitely uh, my, my absolute favorite. Uh, that That's the one I go back and rewatch and just... I, I will watch it anytime it's on. Um, 
and you know other kinds of horror you know i i'll watch it if it's on i'm much more of a sci-fi and uh but but television shows i, I probably enjoy it horror as much as um as in my movies too um just anything with monsters is great. Uh, anything that's inhuman is what I appreciate in horror because I mean, and that's I think one of the things that draws me to extreme metal too. Those inhuman vocals that you get, and whether it's movies and film or media or any kind of entertainment media, having an inhuman ha- aspect. I mean, if you're a misanthrope, sometimes like I can be. Uh, that sometimes you want to see something get it over the humans uh, and, and that presence of inhumanity. Uh, I love monster movies for that reason and things like that. Just something that's beyond human is very intriguing to my brain. Uh, yes, you've had the old Godzilla films as well. Those are monster movies. Oh, yeah. I love the old kaiju movies. Watched those a lot as a kid. Um, I do have appreciation for have those. Have you seen the remake of King of Monsters? I have not seen that. I've heard good things about it, but I haven't. You know, seen we it. have Godzilla versus Kong to look forward to next year, don't you? Oh, oh really? Uh, you know, I, I'm probably looking forward to the next Pokemon movie just as much. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu was coming out of left field, but man, was it amazing! Uh, you know, my, my five-year-old at the time loved it. That's what we took her to see, and she just yeah, she does. What about you? And uh, what about you and the wife? Did you enjoy that as well? Uh, uh, you know, I got a kick out of uh, Psyduck. That was, you know, it, it was it was Hollywoodized, just like everything. So, yeah. you know, yeah, but it's great to take you. <laughs> so, if you could put it out there that there needed to be a sequel for any horror movie that either doesn't have one or needs another one, even just to make up for the abysmal one, what would you what would you want? What would you want to see a sequel of? Mm. You, you know the the movie that didn't get made that needed to be made was it, it i don't know if i could say it's a sequel from something i want to see more done with the lovecraft universe um i now and, and i'm going out on a limb by saying this but i feel like the lovecraft has been beaten to death almost now in like the metal genre but i feel like movies and film have not done enough and i've seen some really bad lovecraft adaptations and i knew benicio del toro was um thinking about doing it the mountains of madness which is one of my all-time favorites that's one of the reasons i like the thing there's that whole antarctic aspect to it and um would love to see some of these attempts at lovecraft redone with better ideas and better implementation and i just don't know i I can't think of any movies i've seen reanimator was okay back in the 80s but you know just a really good lovecraft adaptation. absolutely you know i was actually looking into that because i saw a video on youtube that said the reason there aren't more adaptations of lovecraft books and stories is because cosmic horror which is what the thing is is incredibly hard and expensive to make because it's there's so much intangible you know, entangleness to the villains, to the monsters. But I did see a film called Call of Cthulhu that came out in 2004. And apparently it has a near perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't believe Cthulhu is in it, but it got very, very, you know, good scores and a lot of praise. I might need to check that one out. I think I've heard of that one. That one's it was like a very low budget production. Yes. Um, but, but, but people thought that it was well done and I've not seen that one yet. I guess I need to check that yes, out. Yes. It's on my list as well. 
So uh, what would you say, as opposed to desiring a sequel, what would be your most despised film and despised sequel? It doesn't have to be a sequel of the same film, but what is the, the one horror film that you think is just the pits? Oh, uh, hmm, let me think about that. I, I've never been a big fan of the whole Friday the 13th series. I mean, a lot of those classic 80s, horror series that you know they have they have the masks for that appear in all the memes and have the masks in the store for you know uh some of those i'm just like you know it's it's a little too uh predictable for me and and so i'm always just just like in my musical taste and my movie taste i'm drawn to the obscure man i you know it's just uh a lot of those main friends like you can you can keep child's play i'll take puppet master um, you, you, you can keep, you know, Friday the 13th, I'll take my Hellraiser and stuff like that. It's a lot of those franchises that really stick with a lot. I, I probably like the Halloween franchise is probably the only major one that I just, I can enjoy the rest of them. I'm just like, give me, give me the weird stuff. Right. Well, the, the problem there you see is that the, it's all about the body count. There's characters that are just sewn in there. You know, they're going to be killed in some kind of crazy way. That's the, really for the gore fanatics is what those films are for. And yes, I think you've nailed it on the head. It's just let you know. Let's watch people die in X number of ways, and you watch that. And and I, I just like something a little more cerebral, I guess. And and it, the the body count doesn't have to be high, but the strangeness and the inhumanity, uh, and just you know, the alien yes. uh, needs to be. That's that's the content I want to say. Which yeah, and I agree, it's probably the most expensive content for Hollywood to create. Yes, but oh, it pays off so well though when they do it. It's like that Mountains of Madness that Del Toro wanted to make. I mean, he would have had to invest so much money in there. And I feel like, you know, sometimes with like Game of Thrones, where, where sometimes Hollywood says, fine, we'll throw some money into something that may seem a little esoteric and weird. But if you put enough into the budget, it's going to draw people even if it's weird. Oh, yeah. um, and, and I wish they would do that. You know, I, I was hoping they would do that for Mountains of Madness. They won't. Just if, if they would put some money. Even like going back to Dark Crystal, it's okay to put things out that are weird. It's just it doesn't get funded in Hollywood as much. And, and you know, Del Toro would possibly be one of the only people that could pull it off. If you ask me, look at his work with Hellboy, the monsters in there. Look at his work in Pan's Labyrinth, in Mama. Even his his style yeah. is very provocative, very very horrifying. If anyone could pull it off, it'd be him. Yeah, and it, it, it can pull off a lot of. Uh, uh, very different but equally monstrous concepts you know he's he always had a variety to um the the, the monsters and and just the, the the aspects of his film there he was willing to have a little bit more variety and then i always appreciated that especially in the second hellboy and i love pan's labyrinth oh, as well. so we i think we've probably well i need to ask you about a sequel actually i'm, I'm just getting ahead of myself I'm so excited. My cockles are warm. Uh, what would be a sequel to a film that you loved or hated that you thought was stupid and didn't need to be made? Hmm. Let me think about that in the horror genre. Uh, they, they, did, they, they lost their way with the Hellraiser franchise, I will say that. Um, they, they just went in weird places after like, I mean, Hellraiser 3 was like, uh, you know the CD demon. I always love him. He's just so stupid. He's great. Uh, but but Hellraiser kind of lost their way. They were on a starship at some point. I'm just yeah, you lost oh, yeah. you guys. Uh, Bloodlines. You're talking I, about I, I Bloodlines. Just, 
Yes, exactly. And I couldn't even finish that one. But no, in general, I feel like just the, the, you know, the quality of the content gets diluted with the more sequels that come out. And generally, if if the more sequels a franchise has, the less I'm interested in it. We know after a certain point, the studio that I think it's Dimension that owns uh, Hellraiser series, they got to where they're just they're just putting out movies solely so they can keep the copyright so that it doesn't revert back to Five Barker. Uh, like that abysmal straight to DVD at Walmart that came out, uh, the Hellraiser that didn't even feature Doug Bradley is the, the Finhead. Wow, you see that? that's yeah, garbage. It, 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 no, I, I the, the franchise lost me. I'll do that with bands. I'll do that with movie franchises. Just if you reach a point where something's so bad, I'm not going to keep buying or, or interested in the ones after that. And Hellraiser is one of those franchises that's lost me. It's very sad too. Clive Barker lost control over his creation. The, my favorite is the original Hellraiser. I and see. I would. I still say that the second one edges out the first a little bit for me, um, just because of the weirdness of the, the they expanded w- what we saw in the Cenobite realm. And that's why, and I know the first one is like right just a little bit below, but I actually like the, the second one a little better in the Hellraiser. Oh, I think we've already answered this next question. I was going to ask you how you felt on practical effects versus CGI, but we'll go ahead and reiterate. Oh, yeah, I think we covered Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> CG can go fuck itself. <laughs> that's what I said for. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like the cotton candy of, of, a film you know it's just... it doesn't bother me so much in like action movies or you know i can i can okay it there but in horror you really need something tangible on screen that you know the actors can react to yes you're you're you as a as a person in a body need to be able to relate to what's going on on the screen or it's not absolutely and if it's too if it's too fantastical then yeah it's just and we sort of talked about this one already too but what franchises what do you think about franchises about like friday the 13th saw do you think these movies need to keep coming out or are they just bleeding these things for every penny that they have oh uh, yeah no that's that's just hollywood these days is anytime they get a franchise going they're going to milk it past the time they should have stopped and you know uh the one and duns are that's why you appreciate them all the more because they didn't just beat an idea until it was dead and dry. absolutely if you could pick one what would you say is the worst franchise of all time doesn't have to be every single movie it could be the first movie was amazing and it just didn't need a sequel and a sequel to that sequel and a sequel to the sequel that came after the sequel but what would you say you know the, the uh, and the, I may I may get you know I may get in trouble for saying this, but the whole Saw series. I mean, after the first one, I was just like, really, what you know? Just here's some different ways that you can die gruesomely, stitched together with kind of a plot. I you know I just I, I, the Saw series. I just you, you can have it. It doesn't do anything. I me. gave up after the second one. Okay, well, you stuck around you know, a little bit longer than me, but I just you know I did I did not see a point. It's just it was just like let's let's see. Let's let's poke the squeamish people as much as we can and see. You know, absolutely. There's no point. Well, still, that people are going to get upset about this, but that's the whole point of the Friday the Thirteenth movies is to just chop people up. Yes, yeah, and and if I want to see a good plot and 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 well written characters, you just yeah. not good. If their name's not on the marquee, they're getting killed. That's all you have to know. Absolutely. <laughs> so. What about remakes, reboots? What's your feeling on those? Uh, f- first, we'll talk about remakes. 
there's some, you know, Hollywood has obviously ran out of ideas. That's why they hang on to these franchises and bleed them, you know, for every dime that they're worth. But how do you feel about remakes? I, you know, uh, I, I'm going to have to take a, uh, in my fond, occasionally remakes are, are good. Most of the time they are not but I'm going to have to take a step back and pull out my history degree that I had and say that I think about times like the ancient Greeks when you had the stories that Homer wrote and the stories of the legends of Hercules and people kept writing about these same characters for century after century after century. And sometimes I wonder if we've reached that point in our modern culture where the stories have already been written now and we're going to spend the next couple of hundred years telling the same stories over and over again because we've already gone through all the ideas. Absolutely. I mean, look at this. I mean, again, people are going to get upset, but the slasher genre, that's the entire point is just to kill people with a, with a, an epitomous uh, villain, you know, I mean, I, I think we may reach a point where what else can you make? I mean, you know, just how many times can you remake some of these movies without it's just, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's, sometimes less would be better. I, I, we've got such a back catalog of stuff now, and yet Hollywood keeps churning it out at a faster rate than ever before when we've already got all this old stuff that we can still watch and appreciate. And I don't think they've realized how many of us have just stopped keeping up with the new shit and just are content with where we, what we saw and adding a few as time passes, but I don't care about keeping up with everything. All right. Now, what about your, what are your feelings on reboots of popular films? Uh, that one I like even less. I mean, it's, I don't know if you're going to write a new story, uh, like, I'm I'm a big Trekkie and I, I disliked all the Star Trek reboots and things like that. You know, if you're going to tell a different story, why does it even have to be in the same? Just tell a brand new story instead of taking the characters that already have a story in my head and giving them a different story. That's just, that's confusing. Absolutely. It seems like sometimes they're lashing on and they're just like, it has to be. The, it's kind of like a band where I'll use this one because a lot of people like to shove it down my throat, but it's like the misfits. It's like, why is Jerry only still calling his band the misfits when he's the only person from the misfits in the band? That that's always been a big pet peeve of mine. That That's one way that a band can lose me. We talked about dying fetus earlier when, when one band member kicks all the others out and then it's the one dude with the whole set of musicians. I'm a big fan of the musical group of the melding of personalities to make stuff and watching that dynamic. And when you have one guy that just throws all the rest out and that that's a band will lose me sometimes by doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely, I, I have a tendency to agree, even though I still listen to the misfits with Jerry only. I call them Jerry only's misfits. <laughs> <laughs> I still listen to new dying fetus occasionally too, but it's, it's just something you don't like to see. It's not the ideal you want to see. You want to see the relationships and musical uh, relationships, especially build over the years. There's something to be said for musicians that have been playing together a long time. And I'm not just talking about metal. Um, and, and people that it's kind of like relationships too, you know, just, just seeing the way that you can create something beautiful by building on an existing relationship and investing into it. Um, and I appreciate that so much in music too. And it's, it's just, it's, it's one of the great things about being a musician. Absolutely. Well, we got one more commercial break before we start talking to Wayne about the paranormal. So after this, mm. we'll be right back. Ah, 
Hello there, this is the Master, and you're listening to the Hauntoba Special on the Bedroom Studios Podcast. Check out our Facebook and Instagram to keep up with the studio and updates on our projects. And check out all our recording artists on YouTube and Bandcamp. Or I'll have Hutch lock you in a dark basement somewhere with nothing but a mountain of pornography on VHS and a VCR that eats tapes. <laughs> and now back to the show. And welcome back, ladies and ghouls, to the Bedroom Studios podcast. This has been Hauntober with Wayne Gadsden. Now we get to the spoopy part. So we're talking about UFOs, ghosts, cryptos, paranormal stuff, Halloween. It's October after all. Do tell me, how do you feel about the paranormal? I love the paranormal, but I have had zero experience with it. I've been, I think that's one of the reasons we love Halloween and things like that is because we all seem to live such mundane lives and to think about those paranormal activities just something beyond our own existence we, we, we long for that we want to see it and I'm jealous of the people that have had experiences because mine have been rather slow oh, that's very unfortunate that was one of the questions that I was going to ask with everything but now we have that answered so let's start this thing off what do you think about ghosts uh, could ghosts possibly be, could they exist? Uh, you know, I uh, the, I believe in, you know, the things beyond our, our current existence. Uh, what we call a ghost, is that the, the spirit of a deceased person? What is it? I don't know. Um, I enjoy ghost stories. I enjoy movies about ghosts. I love watching those creepy uh, internet videos of just, you know, manipulated footage to show ghosts. That really creeps you out. Um, I don't know if I actually believe that they're the spirits of the departed necessarily but i also know there's a whole lot in life i can't explain so it could be the old vibrations energy cannot be created nor destroyed yeah, there's, there's, you know we're ants in the universe there's a whole lot going on that we don't understand and what i call ghost who knows what it actually <laughs> is but you know i'm willing to keep an open mind Right on. So you haven't had any experiences, but have you ever participated in a ghost hunt or any other attempts to communicate with Let's the see. Well, dead? Out, out growing up in the Leeds Moody area, there used to be the, the old crybaby bridge in Leeds, which was, you know, similar to lots of locations in other, you know, small towns and stuff like that, where you could supposedly drive across the bridge through the woods in the dark and uh, put baby powder on your bumper and you'd have handprints on the bumper when you came out the other side of the bridge and of course you know did that with the teenagers as a kid and stuff like that but um uh no no, no real experiences of anything myself no evidence uh, gathered no. that's unfortunate i always heard i was always told uh do that but put a candy bar or something sweet on top of the hood and if you turn the lights off when you turn the back well, on it would be gone. Off the bumper right <laughs> or raccoons. Raccoons abound. Actually, there's a black cat tearing up my garbage the other night. Uh, I like me a good black cat. They they don't they don't get the respect they deserve from the general population. So they can't. Black cats have a soft spot in my heart. They do. They do. No, they do not. And if I could catch it, <laughs> it would live with me. Live so, what are your favorite instances of ghosts? Do you have any any local legends that you really prefer any movies with ghosts that you prefer any stories uh, I, you know i was always as, as a kid i always appreciated all the old uh 
the Jeffrey books that were written by, and I wish I could remember the author's name, but uh, were, were local Alabama ghost stories from across the state. And uh, just having some stories from your own backyard growing up around here, those were always cool to read when I was a kid, and I appreciate those. Oh, absolutely. I loved the uh, Jeffrey and That's, 13 yeah, other those, Alabama those ghosts. Were, those were dear to my heart as a kid, yes. Did your librarian scream, That's my gold album! Thankfully, no. I, I must have got a better uh, better one, but, uh, but, but I know they're out there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, terrible, ter terrible, terrifying. So, that's it about ghosts, really. What about UFOs? Do you think there's life out uh, there beyond the stars? I mean, Have just we been the, you know, the, the likelihood, given the number of star systems and galaxies, I mean, it's just a mathematical probability. I mean, it's, it's pretty high a chance, but sometimes I like to think that, you know, the universe can be a strange place, and within the realm of possibility, what if... It takes, you know, however many billions of years we've been here. What if humanity is the very first sentient life to spring from this big soup we call the universe? I'm, it's very improbable, but sometimes my brain goes there and like, wouldn't that be some kind of cosmic tragedy that, you know, because given that there's alien life in the universe, at some point there had to be the first sentient race. And wouldn't it be a great cosmic irony if that ended up being humanity? And eventually there'll be some other races in the universe. We just got the shitty draw, and we're the first one. So you think that we'll be the ones flying over people's bases, we'll, and they'll have we're, we're doomed, one. man. We're never going to make it off the planet. Humanity's doomed. But, you know, we're going to make it as good of a run as we can, right? Absolutely. We'll <laughs> drive this thing to the wheels fall <laughs> off. Plan, of... Check engine lights on, but we're still running, baby. Build the earth over. <laughs> I want to get out. <laughs> so, no experiences ever seen in unidentified uh, flying no, objects? No, I have not. Uh, other than just the videos that they show to everybody online and on TV, but I have never seen one myself, no. Never seen any extraterrestrials, and the uh, the five yeah, that would be count. the closest thing. Definitely is just uh, you know, it looks weird, but it's still human. Um, yeah, no, no extraterrestrial encounters of any kind, other than you know, who knows? It, maybe I've been run across some Martian bacteria and just didn't appreciate it at the time. Ah, uh, primordial couldn't it couldn't infect your system? <laughs> it was too ancient. Any favorite films? Any favorite local uh, urban legends or anything of the sort of uh, with aliens? Aliens. Uh, I, you know, usually around here, the folks that are really obsessed with aliens, you're just like, all right, brother, you just keep running with that. So, you know, big, big fan of science fiction and things like that. Um, uh, you know, is it, but I, I, I've never known too many people that had, that were really hardcore into that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. So, one more question about aliens. How do you feel about people that use the term UFO when they to, when they actually mean alien craft? They don't understand that UFO simply means you cannot identify the object. Yeah, with the I, I wish people would make that distinction. I just in the in the common mind, UFO equals alien spacecraft instead of being you know the weird psychic vibration of our mm -hmm. you know interdimensional overlords. 
Yes. What do you think about the possibility that there is alien life, but it's simply not advanced to the point where they could create craft that could visit us? They may be as civilized or well, less civilized know, than us. A, I'm a big uh, news junkie, and I, there was a headline a week or two ago about a scientist who uh, caught some notoriety just for saying, yeah, you know, there's a lot of planets out there, but humanity ain't going to visit any of them. Just the physics involved. And it's heartbreaking, you know, when you, you want to explore the universe and, and just to think that it might not be possible for us to get off out of this solar system. You know, uh, I don't think we appreciate the distance to Neptune yet. You know, that exoplanet that looks promising, you know, a few star systems away. I mean, it, it, I, w- I would love for humanity to get off planet Earth. I just don't know if it's actually going to ever happen. Definitely not in our lifetimes. Absolutely. Yeah, that is sad to think about all the leaps and advances that this this human race may make before the sun dies and swallows up the yeah, planet. Yeah, it's, it's all on a scale of time that's just way bigger than our brains can comprehend. Yeah. On the other hand, it's good not having right, to worry right. about that kind of stuff. I'm glad I won't be around when the sun turns black and sucks you know, us into you know, an endless void. When I think of my place in the generational lottery about where I fell in human existence, you know, I'm quite happy with the generation that, you know, my, I landed in. That, that, was, that was a good draw. Even, no matter how it turns out, we've had a good run, right? Absolutely. I was born a little too late, though. Ooh. 85 was not soon enough. <laughs> I have to say, growing up before the internet was a nice thing. <laughs> Good. Oh my god, I remember not having a cell phone uh, and thinking, slower, slower day. <laughs> ain't getting any better than this. <laughs> what about cryptozoology? How do you feel about that? Do you, what do you think about the, the whole science behind mystery creatures that may be lurking in the darkest depths of the dark uh, I, I would love it, you know, I, the, just the exploration of, of our planet and its ecosystems. I hope we find some new stuff. Um, I, you know, when you were talking to the Spook House Saints last time, he mentioned that if if there's anything uh, that that's going to be found, it's probably in the depths of the ocean. And I agree with that completely. You know, we may still be finding species of beetles and birds in the jungle, but I'm I'm pretty sure that our lust for resources has pretty much spread humanity over most of the globe by now. And uh, we've seen all the weird stuff we're going to see on land. As much as I'd love to find a dinosaur in a valley somewhere. Um, I, I just don't know if it's go, ever going to Absolutely. happen. Uh, yeah, me too. The ocean is our is our, our treasure trove of finding any new life. Uh, I don't even think there's anything on the ground, thank goodness, because I saw tremors, and I'm not I'm not looking forward <laughs> to finding anything in the dirt. They can kiss my ass, <laughs> graboids. What do you think about some of the bigger legends of cryptos? What do you think about uh, Bigfoot? Yeah. I wonder if sometimes I, I I don't know the people I see you know chasing Bigfoot all these shows the Bigfoot stories you know no one's come up with conclusive proof I just think it's like an urban or maybe more appropriately a rural legend, um, you know that there there's some collective human memory of when we had our ancestors lived with like Neanderthals and other things and I think there's probably something in our primal brain that remembers having other uh, humanoid species on this planet. And, you know, here we are a few thousand years later, and that expresses as we believe in Bigfoot. Oh, yes. Yes, Big, finding Bigfoot is, how did you create a television show? Dogs are barking. Man. How do you create a television show where you are 
you are supposedly trying to find evidence for something and never have to provide anything. History Channel, where they're, they're, right. they've been digging for treasure on that same island for like 12 years, and it's just, it's just a TV show, man. They're not looking for anything, really. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, they're just getting to stroll through the woods and getting paid millions of dollars to scream at trees. <laughs> How lucky! What about lizard people? What do you think about lizard people? Are they running the uh, government? You know, I, I did grow up in the A, so I remember the Good V series where you know they had the actors and they'd rip off their face and have the reptiles underneath. And um, it certainly is an attractive theory to think that maybe all of this chaos in our country is actually caused by lizard people. Um, that would be reassuring because then it's not humanity that's just messing up. So I, ho- I wholeheartedly approve the lizard man conspiracy and hope it turns out well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So let's see what else is on the list here. Hmm. So no experiences with anything from cryptozoology? Never ran into Bigfoot, I've, never smelled him. I've seen some weird bugs things. in my day. <laughs> with bugs. Could that technically fall under uh, cryptozoology? No, not, but that's about the closest I could say. That, that's about the weirdest thing you'll get uh, on an everyday basis. That's why I've always loved, uh, I do have a, a heart for entomology. Uh, it's one of my hobbies, and, and that's one of the reasons I love it, is because if you're going to find weird monsters on planet Earth, bugs are about the best you're going to find. I'd love to find something bigger, but never seen anything like it. What qualities disqualify bugs as being part of cryptozoology? I've never seen this bug before. It isn't, or this rumor right, does right. bug. You know, it's just um, most of the time when they find new bug species, it's like, oh, this one's got three spots instead of two. You know, it's or, or this one's. It, it's crazy. They get into like the, the shape of the beetle's genitals is how they determine a species. It's just really, you know, like what guy with a microscope is having to figure out what the difference is between these? There's nothing gigantic and monstrous I, I i would have loved to have seen the the cambrian era of history when earth was just covered in swamps and giant six-foot dragonflies and huge centipedes oh, that would have been the shit you want starship troopers hey they could they could solve two yeah, problems yeah. with one stone that could opponent was always a great idea in that movie of course that also causes a third problem yeah. which is the giant bugs <laughs> But I digress. <laughs> so, any favorite films featuring these type of things? Any favorite Bigfoot film, Lizard Man film? What about El Chupacabra? <laughs> we get your goat? Oh, no. I, I do. Uh, I always remember the X-Files episode with the Chupacabra. That's, that was my introduction to that, um, to, to that particular concept. Um, lots, of, lots of new and crazy creatures on the X-Files growing up. So, I enjoyed that back in the 90s. Oh, what about the Fluke Man oh, episode? Yes, Did you watch that, that one? Creepy. One of the best, I have to say. Just, just, yeah, that one, that was a good one. I haven't thought about that one in years. That's a good reminder. I, I shit outside for a month. <laughs> We're near the toilet. I didn't wash my hands either way. So, any Halloween traditions? That, do you have any Halloween traditions? What do you like to do? You carve pumpkins? Do you decorate? Do you put lights up? Do you go trick or treating? Dress uh, up? Got, uh, uh, my wife and I take our uh, now six year old daughter. We lately we just take her out to you know whichever uh, neighborhood has the highest percentage of houses per square foot, and you know she runs the so definitely just the traditional Halloween trick or treat and stuff like that. When it comes to like 
the 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 mood of Halloween. I mean, that's all year long for us. I mean, we we decorate. We always do. My wife like like right after Labor Day, boom, let's put up the Halloween decorations. So that's that's a tradition. Um, just having the house decorated, the simple things. Uh, um, and as a kid, it was always come home from school. They've got the Disney Halloween special playing on the TV. You get dressed in your plastic Walmart mask and your little vinyl suit that everybody got from the store back in the 80s. And you go out and you hit like 20 houses and come back. And it's a real simple night, but it was a sweet uh, tradition as a kid. I always enjoyed it. Hell yes, absolutely. Speaking of Halloween lights, I've actually got my Halloween lights up in the house. And I'm having a little hard time reading while I read on this paper. What's your favorite costume? What do you like to dress uh, up as? Think about that. Uh, I, these days, my wife keeps saying I need to dress up as David S. Pumpkins for Halloween this year. If you know that SNL sketch, <laughs> yes, she's still trying. Absolutely, but, but no, I, it's it's been years since I uh, since I uh, dressed up. I, I have to say the most memorable one for me was this would have been circa 1990. I was 13 years old, and that. Nintendo merchandise was not as popular back then and I had my Mario shirt and I duct taped my 8-bit controller to my hand and I had my Mario hat and I was just I was a Mario <laughs> fanboy for Halloween one year and uh, just always dug that. Oh. That's amazing. What's your favorite candy? We like Reese Cuts, Butterfingers, Nick Max, Snow Wax, you know, Wax, you, 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 get, you always look forward to the candy bars because you know your candy bar consumption just spikes through the roof around Halloween. But but that's still uh, my favorites are always the fruity. I I love getting candy around Halloween, but I have to say I told my wife this the other day: Easter beats Halloween as far as the type of candy you can buy. Like Halloween these days is just the same old candy that you can get all the rest of the year. And it's just packaged in a bigger bag and twice as expensive. And uh, but Easter, you can get stuff you can't get the rest of the time of year, or even Christmas too. I like I like holidays with candy that's special for the holiday. And Halloween is just the same old stuff in a different bag. Absolutely, I agree. You cannot get the Starburst jelly beans any other time of the year except right, for right. Easter. If you're and I'm a, and and don't get me wrong, I'm a big candy lover. Eat more of it than I should. And I love the stash that you get on Halloween, but as a candy connoisseur, Easter is always the holiday you look forward to the most. You can get so many different kinds of jelly beans, and I love my jelly beans. love fruit-flavored candies in general, so in Halloween, it's the Starbursts and the Skittles that I always look forward to most. Do you have the diabetes? Uh, thankfully not yet. Whatever kind of digestive system I got from my parents, I'm always thankful to them because it just processes sugar like nobody's business and says, give me more, please, and it's it's crazy, man. You know, we drink lots of sugary drinks in our house, and I should I should you know be much bigger than I am. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> so uh, decorations. You said you decorated the house year round. What's your favorite type of Halloween? Uh, I, anything spider, just spiders and webs, man. Just as I mentioned, I'm a bug fan, and and spiders and webs are the spookiest thing for me this time of year. What about a cockroach? I think those are pretty spooky uh, when you see one running behind the refrigerator. Immediate death sentence. So you know, my, you know, this time of year when it starts to turn cold, it's always in my garage. It's a war. It's, all right, you guys think you're coming into my territory? Guess again. It's you know, it's the yearly battle. Uh, you can have the cockroaches, but I like solitary things like uh, you know, like the spider. Just uh, that's always been my favorite Halloween uh, thing. Well, you just throw a bug bomb in that garage and hear oh, yeah, that yeah. Yeah, Just, uh, you know, keep, keep the spray handy. We're going to win this fight, gentlemen. 
So you said to go trick or treating. Uh, if your daughter, let's say your daughter was with grandma or something, would you go trick or treating? Uh, Just you and your wife. No. Trick or treating is not what it used to be, man. I mean, uh, if it was trick-or-treating like it was, and here I'm just the nostalgic old man, so bear with me here for a minute, but I feel like everybody went trick-or-treating in their own neighborhood when I was growing up, and that's the kind of trick-or-treating experience that I would enjoy even as an adult, but nowadays it's always Maximum Candy Hall or like the older neighborhoods just don't get anybody. You know, everybody goes to the same neighborhood now, and that idea of just trick-or-treating going all around town, um, that's the kind of experience that we miss. Absolutely, I agree. And it's always sad because where I live, we we would love for sure to come by and give out candy, but unfortunately, we live in the sticks. And I guess the people around here just assume that because you like having fresh air and privacy that you don't yeah. celebrate Halloween. Which there's skeletons everywhere. There's a skeleton in my front yard hanging from a tree with a by a sign that says I can remember Beware. getting in the car as a kid and driving to certain people's houses, you know, like we're gonna go to so and so's house to trick or treat and so and so's house. And I don't think people do that anymore. They just park in the big neighborhood and just hoof it to, you know, it's um it, it's a different experience these days. Absolutely. Now, the, the nearest town to me is a little town called Oatman. It's one of these little Mayberry-esque towns. My family, when we were when I was younger, we would hop in the car, drive down to the town square where everyone else was parked, and we would get out and we would patrol the neighborhoods. And it was fun because you knew you weren't going to get snatched up and raped by some lunatic. And it was back after then, dark but... back then too. The the chime change when they made daylight savings time end after Halloween. I mean, that to me was part of the fun where the 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 shift the daylight savings time had just ended right before Halloween, and so those get dark early nights came right around this time of year, and that always added to the aura of it. And now that the time doesn't change till after Halloween, the kids don't get that every day. You're trick or treating at sunset. Absolutely. I hate it too. It really, it, the earth should fix this. It should get dark at noon. That would be not nice. Halloween. If you ask me. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Halloween horror. Do you have any superstitions? Do you worried? Do you put salt outside your door? Do you, you're obviously not afraid of black cats. There's a werewolf fight going on in my living room. Let me walk over <laughs> here away from this nonsense. Madness, I tell you. So, do you have any superstitions, Halloween or, uh, or otherwise? You're yeah, of I, I try not to be superstitious. I'll still knock on wood when I say something, but that that that's usually, you know, I've I've got enough of my just regular OCD hangups without having to worry about, um, you know, uh, anything else on top of that. So, try not to be superstitious. I I try to be a person of a rational mind and. And so, thankfully, no. I, but that, that's that's why I enjoy Halloween. It's it's getting away from that rational frame of mind and into the supernatural. And and so, yeah, not superstitious in those ways, though. But but it sure is nice to pretend sometimes. Would you say it's your favorite? Oh, holiday? absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 not the one where you're obligated to go see family. Even though I live, you know, next town over from my family, see them all the time, but it's not a family holiday. It's kind of a personal household experience or personal individual experience. Um, it's a holiday that, that celebrates something besides just humanity. And that's what I like. There, there's, there's this spooky aspect of what's, what's beyond our, our lives and our experiences and things like that. And there's a dimension there that you don't have in a lot of other holidays. So definitely my favorite, Just, uh, even though it always, we always seem so busy in October that 
you don't get to appreciate it coming up. And I, I'm one of these people that, hey, you know, we appreciate Halloween all year long because, hey, that month of October goes by in a flash. But these things that we love, we love all year round. What do you think about signing a petition for rename uh, Valentine's Day to pre-Halloween? Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm married, man. We got to keep Valentine's Day just to, you know, just keep that love alive. I didn't say we had to get rid of it. We can move it. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, let's let's celebrate Halloween any time of year works for me. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we went over. Jesus, the dogs is doing it again. Walking man. over here. If I think saying it's a full moon, let me out. <laughs> so. As I was saying before, was rudely interrupted, ladies and gentlemen. So this has been an evening with Wayne Ganson. We talked about his musical history. We talked horror films. We talked spooky paranormal, and most importantly, we talked Halloween. Until next time, this is the Bedroom Studios Podcast October Special. Wayne, say good night. Good night to everybody. Thank you so much for being on the show. I, I had did too. Time. We'll have to do it again sometime. We certainly will. Happy Halloween, everyone. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Haunt-tober special on the Bedroom Studios podcast. Next week, we will have Jason... Martin. Happy Halloween. <laughs>